Like, I want to make sure that I'm I'm living from a place of trusting God's will, of leaning on the Spirit to show me where I need to go. And I think part of entrusting our souls to God is saying no to ourselves and saying, you know what, Jesus, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, yeah. whenever you want to do it, I'm all in. Yeah, let's take a hint from Jesus. Your will, not my will, be done. Yeah, yeah because I think... Part of God's will being done is your will being submitted. Well, welcome to the Kingdom Allegiance channel. My name is Joe, and I am joined by my wife, Whitney, today. Hey, guys. And we are going to be jumping right into the Word of God and what it has to say about suffering. Our key passage for today is 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 19. The reason why we're addressing the topic of suffering is because we've had a lot of conversations with friends and different people in our life um, that have asked us really, really hard questions. And I felt like it was going to be a good topic topic to discuss and just have a conversation about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation about suffering that we have for you guys today. Awesome. Let's get into it. Right on. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have your Bible, grab it and pull it out. Or if you're watching on your phone, you can just pull it up on the side screen. Um, 1 Peter 4 chapter uh, verse 12 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So this key text of scripture has a lot of things in it that we're going to talk about and we have some questions to just discuss and dive into. And we're really excited to address some of the really hard questions that maybe you've asked when you've read this passage of scripture and you've looked at this page and you've asked, how could I join with Christ in his suffering? But the, but the first piece of this text of scripture that jumps out to me was just the do not be surprised at the fiery trials. Mm -hmm. And when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, right? And so it's almost like, why do you think, Whitney, that some believers are surprised when a fiery trial comes their way? Well, I think with some believers, they might go into uh, becoming a Christian and maybe not understanding the Bible fully. And so when they're thrust into a trial, they're like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? This is mm. crazy. Because like their life before they would, you know, go through hard times just for, you know, the sins that they would commit. But going through suffering for Jesus is a whole different beast to tackle. Mm. And I think that sometimes when we don't understand the, the Bible fully, and the Bible actually says, do not be surprised, like this will happen, expect this. Um, mm. So the word of God actually says, do not be surprised when suffering comes. And so the Bible is actually telling us to expect this. 
that Jesus went through the suffering, that the disciples went through the suffering. So all the people that we look up to in the Bible experience this, all the disciples, except for I think one was martyred. Mm. And so you can see this in the Christians that came before us, that they went through this, but it brought the Lord so much glory in the midst of their suffering, that in their pain, that um, they were doing the will of God, that they obeyed him and that they obeyed him even to the point of death, even in so much pain. And so if we see all these people in the word of God going through all these sufferings, we should expect that in our own lives, just because we live in a different time period, doesn't mean that our Christian lives have changed. We want to stick as closely to what the disciples and what Jesus talked about and the life that they emulated. So we need to expect this. We need to get into the word. We need to dig into the word and make sure that we are on the foundation of Christ and make sure that. You know, it's really a struggle sometimes living in the United States, because mm. I know in a lot of other countries, it sounds like more of a struggle because they are going through so much physical suffering, because yeah. in a lot of um, governments, it is illegal to pray and to meet with a church. But in the United States, it, it's a different kind of suffering, like, you know, just not sticking to the status quo and going against the grain and, you know, your friends chastise you for even speaking the name of Jesus. So it's more of like an emotional mm. and like with Mental. your community. Yeah, mentally. And so here we can become so comfortable just with the comforts of this life in the United States. So we need to remember, especially here, that the battle here is mostly in our minds. So we need to make sure that we are armoring up uh, with Christ and that we are um, expecting mm. these things to happen because when they happen, sometimes it can just throw us off the rails and it really just like throws us for a loop when we need to be in the word and just seeking Jesus all the way. Mm. So it's almost like people are like brought into Christianity. And maybe if you're a new believer or maybe you've only been walking with Jesus for a little while, it can feel like you were given a false advertisement yeah. of like, what you were promised mm -hmm. as a believer. It's almost like, well, you know, some of you on this channel right now might think, well, you know, uh, when I became a Christian, I was told that my life was going to get better or that, you know, I can live my best life now. My and, finances would flourish and that's yeah, not all the time the case. Like, you know, come to Jesus and you'll have financial breakthrough. Yeah. And like, granted, Jesus does take care of your needs. Mm -hmm. Matthew 6.33 says that as we seek first him and his kingdom and his righteousness, all things will be taken care of. Like, that's mm -hmm. a promise. But God is not a genie yeah. and he's not going to just give you what you want because he wants intimacy. He wants relationship yeah. with us. And so... To bringing it back to being surprised, I think people, some believers are surprised when the fiery trial comes their way. And this is why First Peter tells us, beloved, do not be surprised. He's talking to people who are Christians, who are in the body of Christ. Don't be surprised about this. Yeah. Like this is a part of you becoming more like Christ, right? The, the point of being a believer is us becoming conformed and transformed into Christ likeness mm -hmm. and becoming more like Jesus. And so part of this um, surprise aspect of it, I think, is simply just because um, believers have been given a false advertisement, like we had mm -hmm. said, just saying that, you know, you can come to Christ and and um, your life's going to get better. 
and yeah. everything that is happening to you um, will cease. And it's like just because you start to follow Jesus doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the time when you start to follow Jesus, the things that were easy for you before, like, you know, your family might have loved you, your friends might have been there. Those things start to fall away because Jesus says you cannot love all these things more than me. And so Jesus actually demands an an a um, uncomparable loyalty, yeah. meaning like he demands that you actually give all of yourself to him and you can't love anyone else more than him. It actually says in the word to, that everything else must look like hate in comparison yes. to your love for him. Mm-hmm. And so like we have to be careful. And when we, when we ask believers to come and to follow Jesus and to, to be a part of what it means to, to be a child in the kingdom of God, we have to let them be aware and bring to their their mind mm-hmm. the idea that like Jesus led the way, like Jesus paved the way of suffering. And he said in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was sweating, it looked like drops of blood, almost drops of blood. It says that he asked the father, if there be any other way, like, please take this cup from me. Yeah. And I want to encourage you watching right now, like, there may be a moment in your walk with Jesus where you ask him, please take this from me. There's so many moments where we've, where me and Whitney, I believe, have even asked the Lord, like, God, this is so hard and this is so difficult and I don't know how I'm going to get through this thing. But I trust you regardless and nevertheless, not our will, but yours be done yes. in the midst of that. And so what do you think it means when First uh, Peter 4 also talks about sharing in Christ's suffering and talks about his glory is revealed and stuff like that. Like, what do you think that that means or how that could look in someone's life? Yeah. So when we share in Christ's suffering, we're actually partnering with him and we're continuing his suffering. Mm-hmm. So Jesus actually humbled himself into the point of death. He humbled himself before the father. And if he did that, our glorious King, the King of all Kings, the one who died for us, was able mm. to humble himself and say, like you said, not my will, but your will be done. It's an honor for us to continue that. When we suffer with Christ, we have the joy of seeing um, Jesus glorified when mm. it was when he is revealed to all of the yeah. world. Yeah. So like the glory of Jesus is revealed and not only through his written word, not only through creation, right? Romans says that all of creation is without excuse because they see the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways that God's glory is manifested and his spirit is revealed is through believers who mm-hmm. live like him. And so when we share in Christ's sufferings, quite literally, like it may not be the exact thing Jesus did. There's no more crosses to be crucified on by the Roman government, but there's different things in our life that lead us to suffering like Jesus, being beaten physically, being accused of wrongdoing, being insulted, being um, thrown things at and people wanting to say that they want to kill you and hurt you. And these things are suffering in a way, right? And First Peter 4 I think it was in verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a meddler. Those things, why it's listed there, I believe, is because I think people 
can enter this idea of suffering for Christ and be like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus when they're like waiting in line at Starbucks and like the line is like an hour long and they're like, this is just my suffering. And it's like, and it's like, that is, that's not, that's, that's that's not, not what suffering, suffering we're talking about. Yeah. Like there's a reason there's a list here that says don't suffer for doing evil. Like mm-hmm. we don't go and steal something and then go to prison and be like, I'm suffering for Jesus and I'm just going to witness to the people in prison. It's like, no, we suffer for doing good. Mm-hmm. Jesus paved the way. He said to repay evil with good. Like we're not people who seek out suffering. We're not like a death cult or we're just fascinated with. And I've heard people say this before. Seriously? Like Christians are just death cults. Yeah. That just are fascinated with death. And it's like, we don't seek suffering. We don't seek death. We're not seeking to suffer for the sake of doing evil or because we enjoy it it's very painful and sometimes it's light sometimes it's severe mm-hmm. but i think to share in Christ's suffering is to suffer for doing good yes. and to live for his kingdom mm-hmm. and so um i just think that when we look at at christ's suffering that it it says that his glory is revealed and like you had mentioned whitney like we're welcomed into that suffering And this is something I learned recently is that like Jesus had to learn obedience when he came to this earth. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus did not come to the earth with obedience as a as an already given thing. Like I know that sounds kind of weird, like he was the son of God. He was perfect. But I'm saying Jesus in the flesh said, I do not do anything the father isn't doing. And I don't say anything the father isn't saying. Like he chose every moment of every day of every waking moment that he had. To obey the Father. Yes. And to say yes to his will. Mm-hmm. And what he we couldn't accomplish in our lives, Jesus did fully to, to completion. Mm-hmm. And he fulfilled it all. And so when we look at the crucifixion, when we look at the suffering of Christ, even the week leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, all the suffering that he went through. When people say bad things about you, right? In Matthew 5, it goes through the list of the Beatitudes. Like when people say evil things about you, when they slander, when they gossip, when they start hurting you or hurling insults, or when they do evil against you, Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Like, That is the promise. That is the reward of our suffering is the kingdom of heaven and the presence of Jesus himself. And so, you know, when you're blessed for being insulted for the name of Christ, like, what do you think or what do you think is the attitude or like the posture we should have when like it comes to being insulted for Jesus. Cause I know like sometimes it's so easy, right. To just get upset or offended or take it the wrong way. And even in um, our culture, it's so easy to be like, man, what the heck? Why are you talking to me like that? And snap back at people and like make them pay. Mm -hmm. Like vengeance is not ours. It's the Lord's. And so there is a balance of, and I just want to make this disclaimer. Like there is a balance of protecting someone else when they're in danger versus someone is coming after you in your faith. There's a very big difference there. So like, what does it look like for somebody to be blessed in the midst of them being insulted? How does that play out? Well, I think along with, you know, talking about suffering for doing evil versus suffering for doing good. Like when we suffer for the name of Christ, like we're suffering for the truth. We're suffering for the greatest message the world has ever heard. And so we're ambassadors for that message. And so, you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't matter. Like even in the pain, it's like, 
like the pain is so temporary. It doesn't matter. Like it's such an honor to suffer for Christ and for that message and to go and make disciples of all nations that, um, that being insulted, it's just like, it's painful in the moment, but, Mm. um, just knowing that we're working for the kingdom, like that's such a blessing. And, um, and knowing that we're going to see Jesus one day and in here, um, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think um, knowing that we're working for the kingdom, that we're suffering for the kingdom, um, just being insulted is painful in the moment. But I think mm-hmm. uh, it's just an honor because we bear the name of Christ and that we're his children. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, as a believer, like this is something um, a pastor from Idaho said recently in a message we are listening to, like, you don't have to offend people with the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like the G- the name of Jesus itself is offensive. You know, like you don't have to walk outside and scream that you need to repent from your sins. People already know mm-hmm. if they don't already how bad they are or they think they're really good and they're just living in, in denial and they think that uh, they don't need Christ. Um, but regardless of the situation, I think when we look at, Um, being insulted for the name of Christ and calling it blessed. I think when we reflect on the the fact that the disciples, Jesus, everyone in scripture who bore the name of Christ in the New Testament, did it with rejoicing, did it with amazement and wonder and gratitude. They did it with a heart posture of thankfulness. Mm -hmm. Like when the disciples were thrown on the temple steps and the leaders charged them to never talk about Jesus again, it literally said that they rejoiced and they counted, they were thankful. They were grateful to be counted worthy to suffer for the name. And when I read a passage of scripture like that, and I, and I meditate on the fact that the disciples rejoiced at being beaten, Mm-hmm. That the disciples rejoiced at being insulted, at being charged and saying, if you say the name of Jesus one more time out of your mouth, you're going to die for it. And they basically said, you're on. Because it's better for us to obey God than for man. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. You could try to stop us. You could try to stop the church. But Jesus said, even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So you can do everything mm-hmm. you want to, mm-hmm. to try to stop the kingdom of God from advancing. But nothing you do is going to work. Yeah. You could kill me, but I live forever. And there's been a theme like in martyrdom and people suffering. Like if someone is killed for their faith, like it's explosive how much growth comes out of that. And yeah. people being saved because... And the midst of suffering and people are rejoicing out of that. It's it just opens people's eyes to the truth. Like, why would they suffer for this? Yeah. Like, why? Are they suffering for nothing for something mm. that they believe is a lie? That's one of the reasons why the Bible is so credible because the disciples, what world would they make this up and then die for it? Like 12 disciples believe in Jesus so much and the message that they were sharing that they literally died for this message. And because of their their deaths, like there was so much growth and so many seeds that were put in the glory of God was revealed and the truth was revealed in that. So mm-hmm. it's such an honor to die for Jesus and to suffer for him because that is just spreading the, the gospel so much more mm-hmm. and it's convicting people's hearts. I forget who said it. 
Um, I love quotations. It's some, one of the things you guys, you'll learn about me is that I just love reading quotes from old preachers and teachers. And I forget who said, it. I think it was D.L. Moody, but you can fact check me later. But I think he said, preach the gospel and die and mm -hmm. be forgotten. And it's Check like, it. I love that quote because literally it's all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like it is all about Jesus from start to finish, from the moment you're saved until the moment you hit the grave. Like it is all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let them know what the gospel is and the truth of his word. And like someone might die for like maybe a, a lie. Like someone might die for that. Like if they maybe. believed a lie, maybe it's very hard to believe that someone would do that. I wouldn't personally die for a lie. Yeah. Like convincing someone you, like you're living a double life and you're convincing someone of a completely different life and you would die over that. But like if someone is so convinced of the truth that they're willing to lay down their life for that truth, mm -hmm. like that's worthy of looking at. That's worthy of taking account. That's worthy of reading every page of these scriptures and diving into what the Bible has to say to see what is true. That Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. But before he ascended, he went to 500 eyewitnesses and revealed himself, showed his scars, showed his feet, showed his body, went like literally did everything he could to prove that his claims were true, that he is the son of God, that he is God in the flesh, and that he was he was the the promised Messiah, mm -hmm. to savior of the world. So a byproduct of suffering, the word says that the spirit of God rests on us. What do you think that looks like? Yeah, I think um, in verse 14, it says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Well, we know as believers that the spirit of God lives inside of us. Mm -hmm. When you are saved and you have confessed your sin you have turned from your sin and repented and trusted in the finished work of christ and trusted in jesus to be your savior your lord and you've given your allegiance to king jesus which we love to say around here kingdom allegiance it's what we're all about um subscribe if you haven't yet oh my gosh um we'd love to have you stick around for we more would. videos we really would but i think that the byproduct of suffering is the spirit of God resting upon us because in those moments when you have somebody insulting you, when you have somebody calling you names, when you have somebody um, hurting you, maybe physically, mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, when you have those things coming at you from all sides and you have one question in your mind, what did I do? Like, what did I do wrong? Because I can guarantee you that if you're living for Jesus and you're living by the Spirit of God, walking by the Spirit, as Galatians says, and, and you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, people are going to get mad. Like, people are going to get upset at you. People are going to hurl insults at you. People are going to treat you with contempt and hatred. And they're going to they're gonna want to hurt you. Like just plain and simple. Jesus said that the world hated me and they will also hate you. You will be hated all by all for my name's sake. Like we understand that the suffering of Jesus brings with it a, a whole garbage can full of just stuff that really hurts. But the byproduct of God's spirit resting upon us looks like peace that the world does not have. Mm. Like 
The byproduct of the Spirit of God resting upon you looks like a kindness when you've been treated terribly and you return it with kindness. Like this reminds me of the story my mom shared with me. She had an Uber driver mm-hmm. and um, one day he was driving a, someone to a, a location and the guy in the car started cursing at him. And he said, your words hurt so much. Why don't you just punch me? The dude socks him in the jaw and the driver turns around because he hit him and he looked and then he turned back around towards him and said, it's okay, man, I forgive you. And I know you're hurting. And the dude literally just started weeping. Like remorse hit his heart. He was grieved. He like, he felt so bad that he ripped money out of his wallet. He handed him $300, said, go home, be with your family. He's like, He's like, I I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like he immediately Mm -hmm. felt convicted. And this guy was, the driver was a Muslim. And he showed in that moment what it looks like to show kindness when faced with evil. Mm -hmm. He showed what it looks like to show love when you're faced with hate. Like that is an example of the byproduct of suffering. God's spirit rests upon you. His spirit's already living in you. It says the same spirit there is Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Mm -hmm. And greater than is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. So we know that his spirit lives in us. But when his spirit rests upon you, he empowers you to live for him. Like when the spirit rests upon you, you have a peace, you have a joy, you have all the fruits of the spirit, right? The spirit working out in you which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I just want to say too off the bat, like we're not perfect at this. Like we don't suffer well 100% of the time. Like sometimes it's really, really frustrating. Sometimes it's really, really hard. But other times we find that it's really when we step into the grace of God and we allow his spirit to rest upon us, and we suffer for his name, he empowers us to live like him. Yeah. And something I've learned through my own suffering is, you know, when you're having trouble with this part, you know, showing kindness and gentleness towards people who are persecuting you. Something the Lord taught me was to start praying for them. Like Jesus told us to pray for our enemies and for those who persecute us. Yeah. And the Lord worked on, yeah, love your enemies. And the Lord worked on my own heart. He's like, start praying for this person. I was like, no, <laughs> like that feels so impossible yeah. right now. But he just uh, put it on my heart to start praying for them. And the first day, it just started with a sentence. And that was all I could get out. But day by day, as I started praying for this person, like I started actually mm. interceding for them. And then my heart for them started to change. And I started serving them. And it just changed the whole interaction and really planted seeds for the Lord to move in their heart. So if mm. you're having trouble with this, um, part just to encourage you to start praying for that person and that will um, open your own heart to change um, mm-hmm. and yeah and just minister to the other person yeah and I and I think that's that's really powerful because I think some people when they suffer for Jesus it's almost like um, when we say like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you it's like a really fun thing to say like yeah. it sounds good. It like, hey, you know, love your enemies, man. Like, I know they're hurting you, but love them. Just <laughs> love them, you know. But I think, like, seriously, when we when we take seriously the words of Jesus to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute you, like you're just you look just like the world. You're no different from the world if you only love those who love you. Mm. Like, 
What witness is it to the world that you're any different from them if you only love those who can love you back? Yeah. Like that's a that's a one that's a conditional kind of love. But the unconditional kind of love, the agape love, right? The all-encompassing love that God gives us through his spirit mm-hmm. is seen when those who want to do us harm and evil, we look them in the face and we love them in spite of their evil. Yeah. Cuz we understand too that those who not, do not belong to Christ belong to Satan. And so we understand that they're under the influence of Satan and that they're only acting out of the nature to which they belong. Yeah. And so that's a really powerful story about praying for your enemies. And then verse 16 says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Mm -hmm. So how do we not be ashamed to suffer for Jesus? Hmm. Yeah, again, I think this is one of those those passages of Scripture that if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. I think, again, the book of First Peter is addressing the beloved. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to Christians, and he's talking to the body of Christ, and he's saying, don't be ashamed to suffer as a believer, but let him glorify God in that name. I think part of the way that we aren't ashamed is when we're bold about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times we resort to fear or anxiety or um, being comfortable. So we're like, okay, well, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to like freak anyone out. I don't want to be the weird Jesus freak, you know, those terms back from the 90s. Like, I don't want to be the person that is just all over the place. Um, when it comes to religion, I don't want to be labeled the religious person. And it's like, you know, Jesus was, we have to remember this. This is powerful. Jesus was the most loving, the most truthful, and the most consistent human that walked this planet. And they still killed him. Like, if you rest in the fact that Jesus was perfect in every single way, Every single way. And he still followed what God had asked him to do. And he was still beaten. And he was still spit on. And it says his beard was ripped out of his face. And he still took the crown of thorns. Mm -hmm. Like, how can we look at that and, and partner with shame? Like... I understand like there's moments where you might feel embarrassed as a Christian. Like I don't necessarily think embarrassment is shame. Yeah. Well, like, like people who are close to you, you know. Yeah. It's like you don't want to be rejected by them, but Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you don't want to like sometimes it's easy to like want to be accepted by your family mm-hmm. or your friends or your coworkers because you you want to build a relationship with them and I understand the heart and the intention behind it and I understand uh, the desire behind it because you want to glorify God you want to make Jesus known and you want to do that by building relationship with people but there comes a point in the road in Matthew 7 and I had to learn this the hard way where Jesus said don't cast your pearl before swine Like Jesus is talking about people who are only going to take the message that you carry and the spirit of God that lives inside of you. And they're only going to mock you. They're only going to throw it under their feet. Right. Says that those pigs trample and stomp on it. 
The pearl is the kingdom of God. The pearl is the gospel. And so like this precious, precious gift that we have to give, like there are going to be people that oppose us mm-hmm. and that are going to hate us for it and are going to want to trample us and kill us and hurt us. Now, not everyone is, is going to be asked to lay down their life for Jesus, but your suffering may look differently. It may be a job and it may be um, your family or your friends, or maybe it's a relationship where you feel like you're suffering. And I just want to encourage you, like in those moments, if Jesus is the reason for your suffering, then I would say you're suffering well. Mm-hmm. Because First Peter 4 tells us these are ways not to suffer. Don't suffer for doing evil. Yeah. Don't suffer by getting into people's reason. affairs. Like, don't suffer by, um, you know, being a murderer. Like, those aren't ways to suffer. You're but not to becoming s- more like Jesus that way. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're not becoming a murderer so that you can be more like Jesus yeah. because he was murdered. Like, that's not how that works. But you join in Christ's sufferings and you allow yourself to be submitted to the Spirit's leading. Mm. And I think... Part of the way to not be ashamed is to just be close to Jesus. Because I think the closer we walk with him, the more we commune with him and abide. Like John, I think it's John 15 talks about abiding in Christ. The more we abide with Jesus, the less shame there'll be. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm in love with Whitney, which I am, forewarning, I'm totally <laughs> in love with my wife. But if I am in love with Whitney, I can't help but talk about her. Mm-hmm. Like if I am in love with my spouse and I spend time with her and I, I text her all the time and I send her pictures of what's going on in my life and I read her messages to me. I send her voice messages. We spend time together. Like those are investments into the relationship and there is no shame that I have between the two of us where I'm afraid to talk about her in front of anybody. And in the same way, when you text God and you get in his word and you send him pictures by just talking to him and spending time with mm-hmm. him. And when you sit at his feet and you allow him to teach you and to love you and to guide you and to allow his spirit to rest upon you and to lead you in conversations with people, there will be less and less shame in every conversation. I've learned as I've walked with Jesus since I was 16, that like the more I've walked with Christ, the less I've been afraid to talk about him. And in the beginning, it it feels like intimidating. Like it feels like, well, I don't know everything and I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to address certain things. And I'm not that knowledgeable. And it's like, just let the spirit speak through you. Jesus said, don't be worried to the disciples about what you are to say before all these different people, leaders and synagogue and prison. Like Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit will give you the words. And I want to encourage you with that today, that the Holy Spirit will give you the words. But the more you spend time with Jesus, the less shame will come from it. That's good. So verse 19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Mm. So what does it mean to entrust our souls to God? You know how um, when you're sitting at the dinner table and you literally, yeah, we're sitting at the counter right now. (laughs) Like, like, for example, like, you know how there's a bar stool, there's a chair and you go to sit down on it. Like, I'm going to have a conversation with you guys. I have full confidence that this seat is going to catch me. I have full confidence. I have full trust. I trust that this chair, if I didn't trust that this chair was going to catch me and I was going to be able to sit on it, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't sit on it. 
because I would know that it's not working properly as it should. And I know that um, it wouldn't be able to withhold me on it. Mm. But when we trust Christ, when we suffer according to God's will and to trust our souls to a faithful creator, the reason, the way we entrust our souls to God is giving over our trust in ourself. Mm. Because for, for all of us, there's this struggle of when you become a believer, there's the struggle of the will. So you still have the flesh with you while you're alive and you still have the choice to do it God's way or to do it your own. The Bible's clear. The wages of sin is death. So you can live a life of continuing in sin and practicing sin and lawlessness and that will lead to a, a not good place. Jesus makes that very clear. In the book of Matthew, he says that there are people who do lawless deeds and he does not know them. Mm. So there's a place of, of us choosing our own will. There's a place of us going our own way. Proverbs says there's a way that leads, there's a way that uh, seems right to a man, but its end leads in death. Like there are things in our life that we would rather trust ourselves to do. And I know this from firsthand experience. Like, for example, with our jobs and with like door dashing and um, all the other things that I was doing. I did Target for a while. I worked at Chipotle and I was doing a bunch of different jobs. And one day me and Whitney were just having a conversation and I was like, I just feel like the decisions I make in regards to my work without Jesus never seem to last. Like, I think the decisions that I've been making that are not birthed from the place of walking with the spirit, you know, regardless, I need a job. I need to make money. I need to take care of my family. But I think if I'm taking steps towards what I think is best, it is not necessarily God's direction. Mm. Like I want to make sure that I'm, I'm living from a place of trusting God's will of leaning on the spirit to show me where I need to go. And I think part of entrusting our souls to God is saying no to ourselves and saying, you know what, Jesus, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, yeah. whenever you want to do it, I'm all in. Yeah. Let's take a hint from Jesus. Your will, not my will be done. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think part of God's will being done is your will being submitted. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thanks, babe. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, how would you like remind yourself? I know some of the viewers are probably asking, like, how do you remind, how do I remind myself to rejoice in the midst of suffering? Because maybe it feels like overwhelming or maybe mm -hmm. it feels like, you know, this is really hard. This is really difficult. Like, I don't think I can rejoice. Like, how do you expect me to be happy when all of these bad things are happening in my life? Yeah. So I think even in the midst of immense pain and suffering, um, even physical pain and suffering, just knowing that Jesus has already won the battle. He's already conquered sin and death. I think knowing that how good our God is and how much he suffered and that he empathizes with us in our suffering, that we are not alone, that we have him, that we have community of believers who are suffer suffering alongside of us, knowing that we are not alone, that Christ has already won the battle and that this pain is temporary yeah. that we will be with him forever and ever that yeah. is 
Like, how can we not rejoice in the midst of suffering, knowing that? And I think reminding myself of that when I when I go through suffering, knowing yeah. that it's almost like a wave, like this will pass, like this is for a time. You have but, a hope too. Yeah, we have in the a midst. Hope. Yes, that's good. Yeah, because I ahead. think I think the hope. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think having the hope in the midst of suffering is, and this is what I said to someone in a conversation this week, is that. Jesus will restore all things mm. like suffering is temporary in the span of eternity, whether we have 10, 20, 80, 90 years in this life, a hundred years, whatever we're granted with, we understand that Jesus promises a new body, mm. a new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no pain, no suffering and no death. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, but this lifetime will go by so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And so knowing that all pain, all suffering will end, I think that gives me hope in the moment too. Yeah. And knowing like Jesus can still work and do good things and, and show up in the midst of suffering. Mm -hmm. Like there's been so many moments where we have literally been on the brink of like financial struggle and been like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And then checks start coming in the mail. We literally just got a check today because we thought something was wrong with our car. We brought it in for a diagnostic. Nothing was wrong with it. And then we just got to check over, over how much what it we was. And we took it out of our emergency fund. So that was a huge blessing. And so like just little ways like that. We didn't expect that. We didn't know that was coming. We didn't know that we needed that. We dipped into our savings to pay for this. And yet the Lord showed that he is still watching. He's mm -hmm. still there. He still cares. Yeah. And we, did we pick it. up the car today? Yeah, we picked so we up picked the car it up today. paper today and then we got to check today. <laughs> so and that it was crazy. like, so it's little things like that where the Lord reminds us like he sees us, mm -hmm. you know, we're not alone. We're not suffering our suffering. And I want to say this too. Like, I know, you know, you might be watching this and thinking like, can God make good out of my pain? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's any pain or suffering that you go through in Jesus that isn't purposed. Like he will always make purpose out of your pain. He will always make purpose out of, out of the darkest and the hardest parts of your life. And I think I said this to a friend last night. I said, whatever we walk through, the enemy wants to use to destroy us. But when we overcome, God takes the very thing meant to destroy us and gives it to us as a weapon to destroy the kingdom of darkness. Mm. That's what he does. So the things that I've walked through, the bullying that I've been through in my life, I went through seven years of being bullied, the insecurities that I had from growing up, the uh, identity problems that I had, the, um, you know, all the sexual immorality that I walked through, all of those things are now being used to reach people just like you and to show them that Jesus can change a life. And can give them true and living water. And they never have to thirst again. Like he really is the bread of life. And he really does sustain. And in the midst of suffering. It's not that we're in denial of our suffering. It's not that we minimize our suffering. And we say it doesn't exist. It's not there. Let's not address it. It's that we recognize who is in the midst of the suffering with mm. us. And it's Jesus. And so what do you think are some ways that... We cannot despair, but stead and rejoice in the suffering. Yeah. So I think it'd actually be interesting to go back to 
First Peter 4, 1. Yeah. I know we didn't read that, but I think it has something good to say. In the beginning of the chapter. In the beginning. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So I think this mm. passage right here gives us really good insight into how not to despair yeah. and to rejoice. It says to arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. How did That's Jesus so cool. think when he was going through suffering? Wow. Which we've already said it a couple of times. Not, Not my, my will, will, but, but yours be done. be done. Jesus emulated obedience and submission yeah. to the Father. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of the rejoicing and suffering, the Bible goes on to say that it was the joy set before him he endured the cross. Yeah. Like, I think in the midst of our suffering, I think part of the reason why we despair is because we don't actually see the result of our suffering. Mm. Like we get so tunnel vision that we only see the suffering and we can't see what is on the other side of it. And that's natural. Yeah. Like that's okay to be in that place because like you are going to suffer and you're not going to be able to see what's on the other side. Like just because you are not on the other side of it yet. Mm. But I could tell you from personal experience, like, if you can get a glimpse, even just a speck of insight as to why you might be suffering and why it is that you are suffering, Jesus said the joy set, it said, the Bible says that there was the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Like Jesus saw what was set before him. He knew the plan of the father. Therefore, he was able to look the cross in the face and willingly allow himself to be nailed. He still suffered. Like he still, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ, but he still like let out yells. He still bled. He still ached. He still like, he still embraced every part of the suffering. And it, he wasn't numb to it. I'm not saying that he was numb to any pain and we're not meant to be numb to any of the pain or suffering that we're walking through. But we know that in the midst of it, that we can go through the suffering of Christ. Why? Because we've been given the mind of Christ. Mm. And having the mind of Christ, the spirit of God living inside of you. And, and it says literally to arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. Like he's telling you, you have to arm yourself. Like, I don't know if you've ever put on armor before, but nobody's going to put on that armor for you. Like when you go out in battle, no one's going to throw your breastplate on. No one's going to put your helmet on. No one's going to put your shoes on for you. You have to do that. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of your suffering, you have to arm your mind with the same mind that Jesus had, which is not my will. Yeah yours be done i was reading a book recently by francine rivers and it was so funny because she said you can't go out in your spiritual underwear so remember to put on your armor yes you can't go you out don't want to be caught in your spiritual underwear so make sure you arm yourself you every caught, morning you don't want to be caught tripping when it comes to jesus no just kidding <laughs> but like you don't want to be caught in the moment being not ready for not when protected. suffering comes. Yeah. Not protected. I think one of the ways that you're not protected is if you do not enter into the suffering beforehand preparing yourself. Mm. I think 
part of the reason why we might despair in the midst of suffering is because we didn't prepare mentally beforehand. Yeah. Like we know when we go out to witness to people or when we share Jesus with an unbeliever or we share Jesus with somebody who's opposed to the faith, like we know the result of that interaction. Most of the time, I wouldn't say every time, but most of the time we know the byproduct of that interaction. And I think it's helpful to remind ourselves like, the joy of this conversation is having hope in the midst of despair. And I think it's also despairing um, is losing sight of what is on the other side of that suffering, which could be a reward or a blessing yeah. on the other side of it. I just want to challenge you guys as well. Another way to help you from despairing in the midst of suffering is surrounding yourselves with like-minded believers and people who are going to encourage you and lift you up and make sure you're in a solid community that te- that preaches the Bible that um, will surround you and encourage you and lift you up in those times because that is one of the most important things is to not be isolated in these times. Yeah, I think it's really important. Like these videos are so helpful and I, I pray that they minister to your heart. But I think that one of the most powerful things that I think we can encourage you to do is to really plug yourself into a community, a local community mm-hmm. of believers that are going to surround you, like Whitney said, and not be like Job's friends that literally <laughs> yeah. discouraged him in the Bible from following God, mm-hmm. or maybe you did something wrong, or and even Job's wife, like you're still trusting God, like you're still yeah. you're still faithful to Yahweh. Like I am grateful I have a wife that encourages me and loves me and literally holds my hand every step of the way in our suffering, and chooses. Um, to be side by side with me. And so I'm so grateful for Whitney. And um, yeah, we encourage you. you Yay. (laughs) (laughs) But we love you. Thank you guys so much for watching and taking the time to be with us here today. Yeah, we hope this conversation really blessed you and you brought something home with you today that you can meditate on and think about and really go back to the word and spend time with Jesus and see what also he has to say about suffering so you can be encouraged in your walk and follow Jesus biblically. If you haven't yet, hit that like button, subscribe so you can see more of us and uh, what we have here to offer at Kingdom Allegiance. We love you guys and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Woo! Yeah! (laughs) We did it! Well, welcome to the Kingdom Allegiance channel. My name is Joe, and I am joined today by my lovely life. (laughs) Start over, it's okay. See? This is fun. Do you love your life? I love my life. I love my life. You want to reintroduce me or not? (laughs) Just say say hi, okay? It's fun. Hey guys, welcome to the Kingdom Allegiance channel. My name is Joe, and I'm joined today by... (laughs) Not again! I'm his wife, Whitney. He can't talk today. Would you please excuse him? I'm sorry. I think the not anything is like gone now. It's so hot in the house. It's so late, and it's hot in here. It's like like 11 o'clock. We need help. Okay. Hi guys, welcome to the Kingdom Allegiance channel. Hi guys, we're going to the Kingdom of Lincoln channel. Hey, what's going on? Sold. Sold to the man next door. Oh, he's here. Three, two. I can't believe you're laughing at me.
<laughs> it's so oh, weird. Oh my gosh. <laughs>